had a good session this past session, and I think that that will provide a, a great baseline of where to begin our work this coming year. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session. Got to have the ability to get their product to market. As long as you're performing, we want to be behind you pushing. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Catool. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Kraft. He handles government and constituent affairs here at the agency. And Will, the batteries are hopefully recharged. We're rested up. The 2023 legislative session is underway. And uh, the last time you heard from us, we teased that you know we'd once again be doing weekly episodes during the legislative session, and that is indeed the case. And uh, for the first episode, we thought we'd uh, try something a little different. Um, our guest is from outside of MDOT, and she's not an elected or appointed official, um, though we will have plenty of those in the coming weeks. Uh, today, we're pleased to welcome Emily Waxter-Pettis. She is with the Associated Press, and this week, 22 years at the AP. Um, Emily, wow. that's that's quite the that's quite the career with the the Associated Press. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Absolutely, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. Of course, of course. So let's start out. Um, you know, 22 years that's a long time. How did you initially get into journalism, and then you know why in particular did you want to be a political reporter? Sure. So I grew up in Texas, and when I was in eighth grade, I signed up for a home economics class as an elective. My English teacher, Mrs. Gray, came to me and said, mm, no, you can write a complete sentence, so I'm recruiting you to the newspaper. So I started working for the Highlights at Pleasant Grove Junior High School and never looked back. I guess never had an imagination to go into, um, you know, becoming a stockbroker or a dentist or something that would be, you know, more lucrative. But, yeah, I mean, I've just always wanted to be a journalist ever since then, so... Here I am. That's really good. Cool. How about the political aspect of it? Does, was that always kind of a passion of yours? Yeah, I'm, I've always been interested in politics. And um, I went to Ole Miss, graduated from there. And once I got out, um, I had my mind set on trying to cover politics. So when I was working for the Clarion Ledger back in the 90s and the legislative job came open, I was like, please, you know, can I do that? So, yeah, this is actually uh, regular session number 30 for me, which oh, wow. makes me wow. feel so old. But, so yeah. Was, was that, your first, that was Clarion Ledger right after college? Is that um, the Vicksburg Evening Post for a year. Okay. And then the Clarion Ledger for 10 and a half. Oh, so, yeah. Half. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Been uh, covering the legislature since 1994. A long, wow. illustrious career. Kirk Fordyce uh, was my first governor. Broke me in. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when, when the session starts, are you looking forward to it, or you're like, oh, I've got to hunker down, yeah. you know, really – you know, work hard for three months? Or. I mean, honestly, um, the last few years, my job hasn't given me much of a break during the off session with like the Jackson water crisis and various other sure. things going on. So I do always kind of look forward to the legislative session and a little bit like the first day of school, you know? Yeah. Awesome. And so back up just two seconds, because I'm curious about this. So again, with your longstanding career and, and everything you've seen all these years and experience, the media landscape, right? Things have seemingly changed a little bit in the last few years. Now we've got podcasts everywhere, and sure. Twitter's, uh, you know, the animal that it is, Facebook, social media. People get their news from all over the place. That's right. And not so much seeming like, to me, from print media. H how have you kind of noticed that and dealt with it as you go through? I mean, it's changed tremendously since I, got in, since I got into journalism. And as you mentioned, you know, Twitter is one way to get information out quickly. Um, we use that a lot during legislative sessions. We will sure. often live tweet debates. And yes, I still write the traditional story that people read either in a printed form in the newspaper or on their telephone. 
Um, the, the deadlines are much more immediate. You know, I used to write one version of the story and I could kind of, you know, go back, kind of like stretch my fingers. I'm going to work <laughs> on my lead now. But I mean, now it's much more immediate. Like you've got to go, you know, get back to your laptop and, and get at least a version of the story out there as quickly as you can. I believe it because yeah. the nature of which things happen so quickly, which you just said. Um, yeah, man, I've never thought about that part of it. Yeah. If you're somewhere covering a story, then you got to turn around and you got to get it out too. That's right. So you got to right. get ahead of the camera almost. Uh, Pretty much. It's so quick. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, so we want to look forward, but let's look back a little bit. Uh, so M dot covering M dot over the years. Are there any memories or any stories in particular that stick out in your mind? You know, that's a really good question, and I have to say that M dot is one of the agencies that I have not covered as intensely as I've covered some other things like Medicaid and human services, sure. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to have a great story to put out here about MDOT coverage. But, I mean, my coverage has mostly been from the perspective of being at the Capitol, trying to follow infrastructure funding, like when the legislature did the um, road, to, road and bridge local funding yeah. uh, right. mm-hmm. with the lottery. Yep. Yeah. And a special session. How many special sessions have you been a part of? Well, let me say first, there's nothing special about a special <laughs> session. <laughs> um, I'm, I've been part of lots of special sessions. I'm sure. I, I don't have a number on that, but, um, you know, there for a while there were governors who were calling them for big things. I mean, there, you know, there have been big things like Nissan and Toyota sure. and Continental Tire. And there have also been special sessions for projects that really kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, the post-Katrina session was really something. I mean, that was obviously a great need in this state to to get some things done so yeah fingers crossed no specials this year right that's right fingers crossed we just knock it all out um well talking about the session you know and there's always stuff going on um this one is a little different not so much different but every four years it kind of looks like this does the election season of it kind of play in anything goes on legislative wise oh my goodness it that will be the overriding theme (laughs) of this session right most of them are running for re-election and, of course, if they're going to put their name on the ballot, they want to come back. And so, yes, they're going to look at um, further tax cuts. They're going to look at the sure. possibility of some sort of compensation increase for state employees, whether that's a pay raise or yeah. some money going into the public employee's retirement system. Mm. Um, there's going to be some showboating, believe it or not. Right. Um, yeah. No. I know. Shocking. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, again, like you just said, you know, it's it's – it's always something in the back of their heads, I know, because you have to run for an election. You got That's a process you have to go through and deal with. You have to put your name out there. So I can imagine it, it is pretty heavily weighing on their minds right now. Whether they want it to be or not, it's always kind of in the back of your head that right, right around the corner i got to uh, get on the ballot here. That's right. Um, and I guess we've changed the qualifying deadline now. It's earlier. That's yeah. right. It used to be March 1st. It's February 1st now, so it's a very short time period. If people want to run for office um, starting today up through February 1st, Get your name on the ballot. And that's, you know, for um, legislature, um, statewide, regional offices, also for, like, county supervisors, offices like that. Yeah, so it's coming up quick. So all that going on in the background, too, I can't imagine. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, So MDOT podcast. During the 2023 legislative session, what are you uh, looking at when it comes to MDOT and transportation infrastructure? One thing I know specifically is that Delbert Hoseman said in the interview with reporters this morning that he's looking at putting an additional $100 million into roads and bridges. Now, that's probably more like local funding than state funding. But as you all know, and I'm sure as your listeners know, because they're savvy, um, a a lot of the MDOT money comes from the federal government. And so that's essentially like pass-through money. You know, the right. legislature has to approve it, but it's, there's not a lot of 
policy debate, like trying to take money away right. because, you know, it's federal money, it's coming here. Yeah. Yep. And there and we we're more than happy to see that hundred million uh, to, to come this way. I, if I had to guess, that may be one of a number of things. You know, we've got the emergency road and bridge program, which is exactly what you were just talking about a minute ago, and that's usually about that hundred million dollar number. Um, you know, the other two things that we've had in the past this past session as a result of the federal money was having that match money to be able to receive all of the federal federal money that we right. were getting. Uh, so I know those are a couple of things. I, that, that hopefully are on the radars and are getting worked out over there. But, yeah, like you said, day one, too, right? We're, we're getting the ball rolling. I think they gaveled in at noon today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've seen – I saw a couple out uh, at lunch today, too. So everybody's moving around, got the suits in town. That's right. Uh, we're suits wide open. Yep. Uh, Paul, what you got? Anything else? Oh, yeah, just um, – so we talked to MDOT a little bit. But, obviously, there are other things going on in the session. So what are you keeping the tabs on when it comes to really anything else out there? Well, Jackson Water, of course. That's a big issue. Um, I mean, not only for the capital city, but for the entire state of Mississippi. Jackson's the one having these problems now. Other communities are going to start having problems in the future because as infrastructure ages, problems come up. And so, you know, and Jackson's a capital city. Um, The health of the state relies on having a healthy capital. So that's one thing. Uh, we, We did ask both the speaker and the lieutenant governor about this today there was they did not make any commitments to throw any more money toward jackson i mean there's millions of dollars going from the federal government right now right so that's one big issue um you know we're going to keep an eye on um as i said the compensation for state employees because that's always a topic of discussion during election year they did a big teacher pay raise last year so i don't expect they're going to come back with another big package for that but they are going to look at things like um funding for the possibility of school districts that want to go to a modified school year calendar. So instead of having a long summer break, you would have like nine weeks of classes, two weeks off, nine weeks of classes, two weeks off. And during those two week intervals, the students who need some sort of remediation would be able to get help so they don't fall so far behind. There are a few districts around the state that are doing this already. Corinth was one of the early adopters. And, um, you know, it's really a com- it's going to be a community decision. Delbert Hoseman said that the state's not going to force this on anybody, but if districts want to go to it and they need to have some bureaucracy erased and they need to have a little extra funding for it, he's wanting to push that issue. It'll be interesting to see if the House jumps on board with that as well. So, yeah. Awesome. There's always things that, you know, are at play over there that we don't necessarily know or follow, but it's always interesting to hear, uh, you know, the education stuff. Obviously, that's not really one that, that we're following and making sure because we've got to make ends meet elsewhere. But sure. I didn't even know that that was a conversation about the. the you know, and it's interesting. There are implications for a lot of things. I mean, if you look at the way families' lives are structured, you know, parents at this point are accustomed to finding daycare plans for their young children during the summer. Um, so then you look at a different calendar, maybe you're having to worry about two weeks of daycare at a time, but more often during the year, for example. It probably also impacts high school sports, which a lot of people care about. You know, you look at like when the volleyball season starts in late July, early August, for example, um, if you're on a modified school calendar and you're on your two-week break during that time period, how does it impact volleyball, football, softball, whatever? Yeah, I would have to, that would be totally just alien to me. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, they're trying it, so it must be some good things that are happening right. as a result of it. Um, 
I'm sure it makes it easier in some ways and harder in others, maybe. I don't know. I, I think a big argument in favor of, of it from the people who like it is that, I mean, and I don't have a position on this, but um, I think people who like it say that it helps students retain their learning. Like, you don't have that big loss of learning that you have during the summer when you're not there for however it's many weeks. probably true. I, I had to uh, look up my password just from being the couple of days we had in and out with the Christmas holidays. Yeah. I can remember no how to kidding. log in up there. Uh, yeah. It's always stuff going on. Well, uh, go ahead, oh, no, no worries. So we, we do have a, some fun questions for you. But for that, okay. you, is there anything that sticks out in your career of covering, covering politics, Mississippi, past 30 years? What Maybe a favorite story or anything that's happened during that time? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mentioned Kurt Fordyce up front on this, and – you know, he was that was a heck of a way to be broken in as a young reporter covering him as governor because he didn't love us. And, you know, um, he didn't make any secret of that. So, I mean, Fordyce was certainly an interesting character, um, slightly traffic-related. He did have that big life-threatening accident on election night, 1996. Mm -hmm. um, I was in the newsroom. We were just expecting to cover congressional elections and, you know, Bill Clinton getting reelected. And all of a sudden, my editor comes in there. She's like, oh, my God, Kirk Ford has had a wreck. And, like, <laughs> you know, and then we had to scramble that night and, and like, find out what happened to him. And it was crazy. Um, wow. So sort of traffic-related. I guess. Well, and sure. I mean, anything dealing with Governor Fordyce, I know, was entertaining and, and a lot to deal with That's <clears> back right. in the day. Yeah. That's right. So, oh, yeah. well, one, one more random one for you before we get to the question. <laughs> Most important um, question. The, the, you mentioned income tax or taxes and election year, all these things. Are you hearing anything about specifically income tax that they're going to kind of try and further work on that? It's interesting you ask that because just today, um, House Speaker Philip Gunn modified his stance ever so slightly on okay. that. He's been saying firmly that he wants to eliminate the income tax. You know, this is his last year as speaker. That's been his goal all along. And today he's like, you know what? Yeah, I still want that, but I'm also open to a lot of other discussions. So instead of um, phasing in the current tax reduction over four years, maybe we can squeeze it into a two- or three-year time period. Okay. Or maybe instead of having a 4% top bracket, we can end up with like a 3.5 or 3.75% top bracket um, it was interesting because he wasn't like, it's my last year, I have to have it gone altogether. Like, he's kind of, you know, maybe taking a more realistic approach to there are people who want to talk about a lot of things, so maybe we'll talk about a lot of things. It might, it might still happen anyway. Yeah. It might, but, you know, I mean, Delbert Hoseman was really, at this point, saying um, he's reluctant to make big structural long-term changes to the tax structure because we don't really know what's going to happen with the economy in the next couple of years. And so he's looking at maybe um, a, like a one-time rebate. If you paid $400 in income taxes, you can get up to $400 back one time instead of having it like something that's built in permanently. Right. Yeah. I think I do remember hearing something about that now. Yeah, I don't know if we'd actually realize much in that one-time rebate or if it would be better to, like you said, have something kind of permanently come of it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot of it's um, your sort of philosophy of the size of government, like how much service do you think government needs to provide? and. You know, it's it is no secret that Mississippi is a one of the poorest states, and there are a lot of um, you can call them unmet needs, you can call them something else, but there are a lot of things that people think should be done that are not getting done. Like sure. th there are there are rural hospitals that are really financially struggling right now, just as an example. Oh, and that conversation about the core functions, you know, what is the government at the, at its core level supposed to provide? And, I think that debate continues to rage uh, daily. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Fascinating. Well, the ringer. It's your time. It's the your ringer. Time to shine. So this is uh, one that we started jovially having this question at the end of every podcast, and it's quickly become apparently a listener favorite. We love to eat. 
Okay. We all like to eat. It's Mississippi. That's right. So we got a food question for you. Okay. And we can kind of do this two-phase. So one, you spend a lot of time traveling the States, I know, mm-hmm. being a journalist and covering a lot of material, being all over the place. Is there anywhere around the state where you're traveling, maybe a hole in the wall, maybe somewhere you don't get to go by too often that it's just, man, we got to go check it out? You know, one of my favorites, and I think it's not even open anymore, oh. I used to live in Ocean Springs, and I would drive across the bridge to Biloxi, and I would go to Old Biloxi Schooner and get the shrimp po' boy with cheese and put a bunch of hot sauce on it. Okay. And get some fried okra and a cold barks. And to me, that was just like the greatest meal. And, and it's not open anymore, though? I mean, I think you know, they moved after Katrina, and then I think they moved again, and I don't think that they're still open. I would be so happy if I were wrong about that. Well, the podcast team is on it. That's yeah. right. We'll check it out. We're doing some research. What about when you're in Jackson? What about the you know, session going on or whatever brings you here? Is there a favorite spot? Yeah, so I live in Jackson. Okay. Uh, well, th- this is my home. So um, my go. husband and I like to get Thai food on Friday night. Oh, yeah. Pick that up, take it home. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time downtown. So, um, you know, got lunch from Basil's today. There we, you go. Steve's downtown. There's also an Ethiopian restaurant downtown that I really like. Oh, it's so, really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've been, you've been to that one? Yes, yes. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But Shiro. It's very, Shiro, yes. Yeah. There. It's great. It's, pretty it, it, it's small. It's family run. Um, the woman who runs it couldn't be nicer. Like you go in there, you have a pleasant conversation with her, and she'll dish your food up, and it's it's a it's a good meal. I'll have to go check that out. I do believe she's like the only person that works there. She like cooks the food and runs the <laughs> register yeah. and everything. So occasionally her son her. will be in there, like during okay. summer break. Yeah, there we go. I have to go check that out. It's very good. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, my last comment here, got to give a shout-out to our permit folks, Brian and Hunt, uh, taking care of us, checking us out on the podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying <laughs> the episode and all the good info. Good to see you guys out there. Absolutely. All right, well, this has been fascinating. I've certainly learned a lot as we kick off the 2023 legislative session. Emily, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, thanks to our listeners out there for uh, tuning in to the Extra Mile podcast. You can watch and listen to episodes by visiting goemdot.com forward slash the extra mile. Follow us on social media at Mississippi DOT, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. We want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, our editor, Drew Hall. They do a lot of work uh, behind the scenes. And remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways.